0: I'm going to turn this a little bit out of the way here so I don't knock myself out. It's been a great day coming in here with our Bible school decorations already in place and then uh, opening up with two baptisms and having some great music and great singing along the way. Now we've got the opportunity to open up this book and see what the God of all creation has to say to us. And so I invite you to open your Bible with me to the book of 1 John. Not the Gospel of John, but the letter of John, 1 John. Uh, in the back of your Bible there towards the book of Revelation. We are continuing our sermon series through uh, John's letters. We're in 1 John chapter 2 this morning, verses 3 through 11. We know that life is oftentimes a series of questions, some simple questions like, what am I going to eat today? What am I going to wear today? To other questions that are more profound. One of those profound questions that people will sometimes ask is, how do I know if he or she is the one you know what I'm talking about how do I know he or she is the one for me and seeking to help provide answers to those questions some magazines will oftentimes put out those compatibility tests you know what those are where they they ask a series of questions and, and the guy has to answer them and the girl has to answer them and then you total up your points and see whether or not the two of you are actually compatible well I have some doubts as to how accurate those tests are Uh, but they do exist. But today we're going to see that the Apostle John offers a series of tests. And he does so throughout his letter. And and the question that he is seeking to help us understand is this, how do I know if I know God? How do you know if you really know God or not? Or sometimes we can ask, how do I know if, if someone that says they know God, how do I know if their faith is truly genuine? And John provides a series of tests throughout the letter to help us understand that important question. And we're going to see this morning in our verses before us that we can find assurance. You can find assurance of your salvation in your obedience to God's commands. If you are one who loves what the Lord has to say and you are one who desires to truly follow what God has to say, you can find assurance of your salvation through that obedience to the Lord's commands. I want to invite you to stand if you're able to this morning. We'll do so out of reverence for the reading of God's holy word. I'll be reading from the book of 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 3, and the apostle John writes these following words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him. And does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of being here today. We pray, God, that we honor you not only through our presence here, but, Father, by truly coming to you and engaging you in worship. Lord, I pray that you would open each of our minds to understand your truth Father, open our hearts so we might embrace it and live it out. Father, let us be people of the light and not of the darkness. Lord, let us find assurance by walking in that light as we seek to obey you and seek to love our brothers. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. John began his letter back in chapter 1 with the first of these tests and there was a theological test to help us understand who is Jesus? You know, the person of Christ, fully God and fully man. And the work of Christ, having come to be our advocates, having come to die in atoning death on the cross for our sins. And now John shifts to two more tests, a moral test and an ethical test. In other words, how do you live and how do you love? Because if we don't truly live the way that God wants us to live, and if we don't truly love the way God wants us to love, how can we call ourselves Christians? We just sang the song a while ago, they will know we are Christians by our love. And John says, the one who has no love in his heart, how can he say that he is truly a believer? So the theological test is followed by today the moral test and the ethical test and and these tests are repetitive throughout the letter. John, as we're going to see in the upcoming weeks, John repeats these things for emphasis because he's dealing with a group of false teachers that have come into the church and they're teaching false things about theology, about who Jesus is and in turn they're teaching false things about how we should live and how we are to treat one another and John is combating those false teachings with the true doctrine because what we truly believe about Jesus affects the way we live and affects the way we love. And he starts in verse 3 by saying by this we know by this we become certain the word know is a dominant, uh, a dominant word throughout John's letters it comes 42 times the form of the word know appears in this letter 42 times in 5 chapters and remember, John is dealing with these false teachers. and he is, he is battling their doctrine by also relating what is true and providing assurance to those who truly are believers. Now, how can we have that assurance of our salvation? How can we know that we know God? Well, first of all, he says, we know by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. So, number one, you've got to keep the Lord's commandments got to keep the Lord's commandments. The word keep there is in the present tense. That means we continually, habitually, constantly seek to keep God's commandments. The word keep there also means to guard, as in you're protecting your valuables. You're guarding your treasure. I know we had a treasure box sitting right over there for vacation Bible school. And you're going to guard that treasure because you don't don't want anyone to take it from you. And that's the way we are to be as Christians with God's commandments. We are to seek to keep them, to treasure them, to, to love the commandments of God. They are not to be a burden to us, but a blessing to us as we seek to keep them. Also, we need to understand he's not necessarily talking about the Ten Commandments here. When we see the word commandments in scripture we normally think of that but in the context of these verses he is speaking directly about Jesus and the commandments of Christ the word that Jesus has given to us and that's the first thing we need to understand when it comes to keeping the Lord's commandments he has provided for us his word you have his word the commandments of our Lord are found written in the pages of the scriptures he says if we keep his Commandments Psalm 119:105 says that God's word is a lamp into our feet and it's a light into our path. We want to know the way we ought to go. God has given us that in the form of Scripture, in the writings. And a desired obedience to God's word is evidence that you know Him. You know Him who spoke His word, and if you desire to keep His word, that is evidence that you have come to know the one who has spoken you also have his warning in verse 4 he says to us that false teachers or or false Christians are exposed by their lifestyle verse 4 the one who says I've come to know him and yet does not keep does not treasure the commandments of the Lord that person is a liar because they're saying I know Jesus but their lifestyle betrays their words he says they are a liar and the truth is not in him they don't even have the truth in them at all because what has happened is inner sin is working its way outward there's no truth in them they are not able to live the truth John says you have this warning that if you're saying this but living another way you are devoid of the truth verse 5 he says you have his witness his witness. He says, but on the other hand, whoever keeps his word, in contrast to verse 4, the one who keeps his word, in him, inside of him, the love of God has truly been perfected. The love of God, a, a, a desire for, for the Lord, a, a desire for the things of God, in him that God's love has been perfected. The word perfected there also could be accomplished. If you're a person who loves the commandments of God, he said that's evidence that in you, God is accomplishing what He wants to do. God wants to raise up men and women, boys and girls that love Him and desire to follow Him and desire to teach others the same things. And if you are keeping God's commandments inside of you, the love of God is being perfected. It is being accomplished. It's a sign of spiritual maturity. It's a sign of the inner testimony of the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans 8, verses 15-16, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. So if you are desiring to keep the Word of God, if you are desiring to do the things of God, the love of God inside of you via the Holy Spirit is making you more complete, making you more perfected, accomplishing more in you that God wants to do. A sign of His presence. We need to understand also that keeping God's Word is not conditional for knowing God. In other words, He's not saying that you can't know God unless you first on your own keep His commandments. It's not conditional. What he is showing here is that once we come to know God, we come to know Him as the giver of His word, the giver of His commandments, and out of, out of a desire to express our love for God who has spoken, we have a desire to keep those words. We have a desire to do as He has said. It's not an obedience in order to know. It is obedience because we do know Him. There is a, a, a direct and an important distinction there in that we have His witness. Also, verse 6, we have His walk. You have the walk of Jesus to show you what it means to keep the commandments. Verse 6, He says, The one who says He abides in Him. The word abide there means to live or to remain. The one who says, I remain in the Lord. The one who says, I stay inside of Christ if that's the case then he himself should walk in the same manner that Jesus walked in other words we want to know what does it mean to keep the lord's commandments we look to Christ we look to his lifestyle we look to his holiness his righteousness and that's the pattern as you see, some of these Bible school decorations, some of these cutouts, it started out with an original template by which you had to draw or cut around. Jesus is the template for us as Christians. When it says, you know, how do I know I know Christ? If you are living in a way and following in the footsteps of Jesus, you are loving the things that Christ loves and you are hating the things that Christ hates. He is our template. We have His walk His lifestyle. The accuracy of your claim is measured by how much you model Jesus. To say, I abide in Christ and not walk in the way that he walked means you do not really know Christ at all. But if you are walking in the way that he walked, that is a sign for us. Now, it is impossible to be as perfect as Christ. John has already revealed that to us he has given us a solution that is through confession to Jesus in chapter 1 verse 9 but although we cannot be as perfect as Christ we should strive for holiness that should be our ambition I want to walk just as Christ walked I want to reflect Jesus I I want to say the things that the Lord would say in this situation I would want to make the choices that Christ would make in this situation That should be your goal. That should be your ambition as a Christian. You have His walk. And the way you live should exemplify Christ to this world. Now one thing I think that all of us have come to know, or we should know, is that you can't believe everything you read on the internet. You know, in this day and age where people are choosing sides on debates and people are so gung-ho about, their own position that sometimes people will post things that aren't exactly true or you'll run across an article that says something that you agree with and you're like yes and you like it and then you share it only to find out that that article really wasn't true to begin with there are entire uh, websites that are, are, are built and designed for fact checking and so I encourage you before you go sharing something or copying and posting something just because it agrees with you you need to find out first is this true or not and John in this letter has given us a source of fact checking to say I am a Christian okay, what does that mean to say I know the Lord well does your lifestyle reflect this or not because you can say it with your lips all you want But if you are not following Jesus in the way you live, he says you are a liar and the truth is not in you. So I encourage you, do some fact-checking for your own soul. And before you go following anybody else in what they are saying and teaching, do some fact-checking with them. Does their lifestyle measure up with the lifestyle of Jesus? Keep the Lord's commandments and you will know that you know Him but secondly, John tells us, love the Lord's community. The Lord's community. Fellowship of the local church is crucial to the faith. We find that all throughout the New Testament, especially in John, this idea of being in true fellowship with true believers is essential to the Christian faith. You cannot grow in your faith, in your knowledge, and in your discipleship of Christ apart from being connected with a true community of Christians. And John is saying that is the case here. First of all, to help us in this, he says that we need to understand that love resounds with continuity. Continuity. It is something that we have had, John says, from the beginning as believers. And it's, it's something continuous. It's a foundational belief and practice. If you are calling yourself a Christian, Love is essential. It is the foundation. It starts from the beginning. John says in verse 7, Beloved, expressing his affection for these people, he says, I love you all, and I want you to understand this. I'm not writing to you something completely brand new. I'm coming to you, and I'm reminding you of an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The beginning of what? You might say, Well, you can can go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and see that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. He says love is in the foundation of the Old Testament law. In In that regard, you've had it from the beginning. But also, in the beginning of your Christian faith, the moment that you hear the gospel, and the moment that you embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior, love should be part of that equation. Love for others. He says in in this, He says, It's the old commandment. It is the word which you have heard. It's that gospel message. In other words, when we lead people to Christ, we should teach them more than just, You need to love Jesus. But we also need to be teaching them, according to John, You need to love Jesus. And if you truly love Jesus, that should lead you to love others because Jesus loved them. Because as we're going to see in this letter, God is love. And to know God means you will live and you will love just like Jesus. The word which you have heard, the moment of hearing the gospel, love should start Then love should resound. Love should continue in your lifestyle. But then in verse 8, he shows us love reflects your conformity. Your conformity, not to the world, but your conformity to Christ. Love, he says, even though it's not a new commandment, love for the Christian, that love command is now intensified. There is a a new meaning and a new thrust to what it means to love as a Christian. In verse 8, he says, On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you. Why? Why on the one hand is it old but on the other hand it's new? It's old because it's been there from the beginning but it's new because we have a new emphasis. It's new because we have a new covenant because Christ came and fulfilled the old covenant and has inaugurated a new kingdom. And this command to love is new because we now have within us the presence of the Holy Spirit, the enablement to truly love the way God wants us to love. A new emphasis on love. A greater capacity we have now to love. He says this in verse 8 On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you. It is true in Him and in you. If it's true in Jesus, but not in you, you don't know the Lord. But if this desire to love is in Jesus and it's in you, you are being conformed to Christ. You are being reshaped and refashioned to become more like Jesus. This conformity is important. And it shows us the love of Christ, the presence of Christ in our hearts shining like a light in the darkness. Our power went out this week. Maybe some of you all experienced the same thing. And it is pitch black out here when there's no electricity just pitch black and I was in my office working Nancy and the kids were in here decorating and suddenly boom it was complete darkness it had it not been for cell phones we would not have been able to even find each other without you know, crawling around and feeling around on the walls but we had that light that assisted us enabled us to walk in the darkness if you are being conformed to the image of Christ you become that light shining in a dark world You begin to reflect the light of God to this dark world. You are being conformed to Jesus by the way you love. And he says the light is already shining. The darkness is passing away. The light is already shining now. That means we are living in the world now that Christ has come and lived and died on the cross for our sins and has risen again. We now live in this moment of the kingdom of God. It's already here. The darkness is passing away. The light is shining. We have not yet reached that fulfillment, and we won't until Christ returns. But we now currently live in the kingdom of God. The darkness is passing away, and the light is shining. And if you are truly loving like Jesus, you are being conformed to His image. Then in verse 9, we see this about love. It reveals your condition. It reveals whether or not you are in the light or you are in the darkness. Verse 9, the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother, he is in the darkness until now. He is still in the darkness. To say you love Jesus and to hate a Christian brother or sister reveals that condition. You have a darkened spiritual condition. In other words, you are not yet saved. If you do not truly love your brothers, if you are hating, and you might say, well, I don't, I don't directly hate anybody, but I want to ask you these questions. Do you truly act in the best interest of someone in the church? Or are you choosing your own interests? Are you willing to say things about this individual behind their back that you would not say to them? Gossip, that's a form of hatred. We need to be honest and we need to be real and do some soul searching and say, "Well, I don't hate this individual. I'm not I'm not out there, you know, keying their car or I'm not out there, you know, seeking to do physical harm to them." You know, but what about your words? What about your attitudes? Are you harboring bitterness towards someone in this church? You know, that's a form of hatred. And so we really need to be doing some soul searching as Christians and asking, you know, is there hatred in my heart? Because if there is, that's darkness. And it reveals our condition. We need to be those who are loving others, especially those within the family of God, especially those within the household of our church. We need to be people that love, because love reveals our condition, lightness or darkness. Verse 10, he says, "...love reassures our conversion. True Christians will love their brothers and sisters." True Christians will love their fellow church members. In verse 10 he says, The one who loves his brother abides in the light. He lives, he remains, he stays in the light. The one who loves his brother. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. If you are truly loving your brother, you will not cause stumbling to them. The word stumbling there in Greek, we get a word scandalize. You will live in such a way you will not scandalize yourself and you will not scandalize your brother or sister. You love them too much to do that. And he says the one who loves his brother, he remains in the light. You see, the light is Jesus. He already established that in verse, or chapter 1. If you truly love your brother or sister, you are truly remaining in Christ and the light of Christ is leading you to do and to love as you ought to. Love reassures your conversion. Finally, love requires a correction. It's like eyeglasses. We had to get Logan some eyeglasses here recently. He couldn't see uh, the board at school the way he needed to. He couldn't see even the uh, PowerPoint here on the wall. Oftentimes he would have to squint and look. So we had to go get his eyes checked and, and come to find out he did need glasses. He needed corrective lenses in order to see properly. We as human beings need a correction to love properly, not corrective lenses. We need a corrective heart. God needs to establish and He needs to take out the old hearts and put a new heart within us. You are not able to love the way God wants you to love unless you are born again by faith in Jesus Christ. Because only then will the Holy Spirit come and live inside you. And only then will the Holy Spirit enable you to love to a higher degree than you ever could on your own. A supernatural kind of love. That has to happen in you first. John says this, but the one who hates his brother, he says there's four things. First of all, he's in the darkness. He's not in the light. He's not in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, you cannot hate. You should not hate. You must not hate. If you hate your brother, you're in the darkness. Number two, you walk in the darkness. You live in the darkness. You, you are, are, are moving in a way that in no way exemplifies Christ. You walk in the darkness. Number three, because you're walking in the darkness, you don't know where you're going. It's like the other night when we had the cell phones. Without that light, we would not know where we were going. With all the, the, the supplies and decorations everywhere, we would have stumbled walking in the darkness. And John says that's the case. The person who hates his brother is walking in the darkness and he does not know where he is going. And if you think about it like this, you don't know where you're going in this life. A person who's truly in the darkness doesn't realize where they're going for eternity. Because they're thinking, either I'm going to heaven or they're not even thinking about that stuff at all. They're just thinking about the here here and the now, in this life, John says that those who hate their brothers, they don't even know where they're going. They don't even realize the danger that lies ahead. And then the fourth thing, he says, they don't know where they're going. They're walking in the darkness because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The darkness has blinded. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 he says even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing those who are dying in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving he's talking about Satan and the forces of darkness have blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God he says the person who has not been born again is still underneath the influence and the power of darkness of Satan forces of evil that's why this person doesn't know where they're going that's why they're walking in the darkness that's why they hate their brother they're still under the sway of the wicked one and John says if that's the case how can you say I know the Lord how can you say I am in the light how can you say I love my brother when you are being directed and pulled and influenced by the forces of darkness. However, on the other hand, those who are in the darkness, the darkness has blinded their eyes. But those who are in the light can sing those songs, sing the lyrics of that song. I once was blind, but now I see. How is that possible? The amazing grace of God. The fact that we were in the darkness, every single one of us, in darkness, until the light of the gospel came and it shone in our hearts, revealed to us the truth, the truth about who we are, the truth about who Jesus is, chapter 1, the truth about what Jesus has done, the end of chapter 1, and the truth about what God expects of us, chapter 2, what we've seen today. The light of the gospel of Christ has shown in the darkness to show us we need to live the right way and we need to love the right way. And apart from that, you cannot say you know Him. You can say it all you want, but you don't know Him if you don't pass the theological test, the moral test, and the ethical test. It's through faith, and through faith alone, that we get brought out of the kingdom of darkness and transported to the kingdom of His marvelous lights. You can find assurance, and you should find assurance, of your salvation through your obedience to the Lord's commands. Assurance for the believer, but also a gauge to test others who say, I know Him. We've been hearing that a lot in the news lately. In case you're living under a rock, you know we've got elections coming up. And we've got candidates saying, I'm a Christian, or I believe in God. Vote for me. And some have kind of come to the point now where they're saying, you know, I guess I've got to choose the less of two evils. Whatever you believe that is. But stop and listen to yourself. As a Christian, to choose the lesser form of evil is still choosing evil. Christians should not choose the lesser of two evils. Christians should repel and be repulsed by evil and only pursue what is good. And so what does that mean for us? That means we need to put forth those tests. What does this person believe about the Lord Jesus? They believe in the divinity and humanity of Christ. They believe Jesus died on the cross for sins. They believe Jesus was resurrected. The theological test, do they pass that? And how do you know that? You know that by their lifestyle, by their morals. Do they walk in the lights? Does their life exemplify Christ? The things they say, the things they do, their lifestyle, does it exemplify Jesus? Do they love like Christ? Do they love like Christ, through their words, the way they talk about other people, the way they treat other people. You know when you think about that, the theological test, the moral test test, the ethical test, and you look at the choices we have before us, and we throw up our hands and we say, what do we do? What do we do? But we dare not choose a candidate that does not pass the moral and ethical tests as a Christian. You might say, we're not choosing a pastor, we're choosing a president. But choosing a president means you're choosing someone in whom you will submit to and follow their authority and leadership for at least four years. As a Christian, do you really want to put somebody in a position where you have to submit to them when their lifestyle is completely contrary to the things of Christ? It's a tough decision. What do we do with that? I haven't made my mind up yet what I'm going to do with this. But I know I'm not going to make a decision because I'm choosing the lesser of two evils. That's just morally, as a Christian, I can't do that. i got to do something. I feel like it's my duty and responsibility to vote, but what do I do with that? I don't know yet. I'm praying about that. and I hope you're praying about it too. But what we need to understand is that a love for God in our lives and a love for God in the lives of others is demonstrated by obedience to God and demonstrated by love for others. It means you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. Apart from that, you cannot say, I am a Christian. A person can say it, but we don't need to believe it without the proof, without the fruit, the evidence. I think Charles Stanley in In Touch Ministry kind of sums this up well in their motto, we need to have a passion for God and compassion for people. We need to love God. And how do you know you love God? If you love His commandments and desire to follow His Word and His will. You need to have a compassion for others. How do you know you got a compassion for others? If you are treating them the way that Christ treats them. If you are treating them the way that Christ treats you. That's true compassion. And if we do those things, then we will know we are Christians. The world will know we are Christians. We will find assurance. And we will know by our lives. And we will know by our love. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name again. I just want to praise You, Lord, for who You are and what You've done for us. We we praise You, God, because You are a God who has spoken. You have revealed Yourself to us in Your Word. We don't need to guess what it means to, to know You. You've shown us. Knowing You means we know Your Son. We believe in and trust in Your Son as He has been revealed in Your Word. Knowing You means that we submit to You and accept the death, the resurrection of Christ on our behalf. Knowing You means that we submit to Your leadership, God, and we become transformed and become more like You. We are a work in progress, but we are a work. And there is progress if we are truly Christians. Father, I pray that we would love You Love your word and live in a way that pleases you. That we would walk consistently in the light. That we would confess our sin continually and confidently and trust in the blood of Christ. And that we would have a desire to live in a way that you would have us to live. And God, we pray that we would love the way you would have us to love. Love in a way that is tangible. Love in a way that makes a difference in others' lives, especially our brothers and sisters in the faith. God, I thank You that we have a church that loves Your Word, that we have a church that loves each other. And God, I pray that we would strive by Your grace to love more and more And more that we would not be satisfied with the level and the degree of which we have to love, because God, your love is infinite. Help us to grow in our love for one another. Lord, it all begins with that initial decision to accept the truth about Jesus and to surrender our lives to Christ. It's a decision each one of us need to make. And God, I pray if there is someone here today within the sound of my voice that has never accepted Christ, never surrendered to King Jesus, I pray today by the power of your Spirit and by the power of your Gospel, God, I pray bring them out of the darkness. Give them eyes to see. Give them faith to walk. Give them faith to see what cannot be seen otherwise. Father, maybe somebody here today has been challenged by watching these young people being baptized and saying, I've accepted Jesus, but I've never obeyed Him in baptism. Maybe somebody here says, this is where I need to be. This is my church home. This is where I need to worship. This is where I need to serve. This is where I want to plant myself. And this is where I want to follow Christ. I pray, God, if that's a decision that needs to be made, today would be that day. Father, whatever decisions, whatever choices you would have us to make requires our obedience. God, give us the courage to step out and the boldness to do what you are calling us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.